Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Welcome to Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. If you've ever been burnt out because of your job, your relationships, or your life, this is the place for you. We'll talk all things burnout, from personal stories of successful recovery to the latest and greatest in treatment methods that actually work. Fried is brought to you by acupuncturist and burnout coach Kate Donovan, who is determined to change the current burnout culture. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am talking to Ashley Rose, who is a transformational life coach who works with women who have experienced trauma. She specializes in shadow work, which helps people to find true balance by accepting all parts of themselves, therefore clearing the space needed to create the lives they've always dreamed of and actually take some action. She has done immersive shadow work, sat in medicine circle, and uses her intuition to guide you through the darkest parts of yourselves and into true inner discovery of your own divine light. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. It is very early where you are. I appreciate (laughs) your your early morning sunshiny energy coming to us from California. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. This is fun. This is exciting. This is super exciting. I've been starting every episode by asking my esteemed guest of the hour to share what their burnout story sounded like. And I want to read the sentence that you wrote to me before we started, because I think it is hashtag so relatable. Mm -hmm. You wrote to me, I was stuck in the self-help hamster wheel, feeling like I needed to do more to heal. Mm. Talk to us about that. I think we all get to this place where we know something needs to change, right? We start to feel in our bodies and our outer world starts to like hit us in the face. You got to change something. You got to do something. Something's not right. And so we go on this mission and we're like, we go to Barnes and Noble, we go to the bookstores, we buy all of the books. (laughs) We buy anything that has the word happiness on it healing on it we go to the retreat hire the coaches and I just got to a point where my energy couldn't keep up I couldn't get out of bed and my bank account (laughs) wasn't allowing me anymore to invest in the next thing the next hit you know yeah so you burnt out physically and you also burnt out financially Mm -hmm. absolutely And I think the bandwidth of your mind, it's like you're constantly getting new information. You're getting all these different healing modalities. You're getting, you know, this person says to meditate for an hour. The other person says stretch. That person says yoga. So you start trying to fill your days in and your weeks in and time just goes by and you're still like not really discovering what works for you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's something that I I did with one of my patients in Prague was trying really hard to go through some some personal growth. And I stopped one day and she was a little bit down on herself because she hadn't made the progress that she wanted and she wasn't able to keep up with all the things that she said that she wanted to do. So I sat down with her for a second and I said, let's make a list of all the things that you think you're supposed to be doing every day and how much time they take. <laughs> And then we'll add in your working schedule, cooking and eating, showering, breathing, and see what happens. And she had 
scheduled herself for like, it was like 29 or 32, I don't remember the numbers, 29 or 32 hours a day. Imagine, imagine. You can't do all those things. And then you go to bed feeling defeated because you didn't get your to-do list done. Right. Yeah, yeah, wow, what a, what a powerful exercise. I mean, she just looked at me and she was like, oh, right, like, oh. <laughs> can you, but can you talk to us too before, like what happened before you started sort of the, the self-help hamster wheel? Like what made you jump on it in the first place? I think my realization was I was a mom at 23 years old. I had just had my daughter, which is my second child. I was married and I just realized that my temper was low. My tolerance was low. There were like pictures I was coming across when I would start filling our albums. And I had like a vague memory of that, of the moments that I was putting into the the slots for my photo album. And I realized how I wasn't present and not wanting to get out of bed. And I'm like, okay, I'm depressed. But this time it wasn't just, I'm like the depression that comes with like not wanting to get out. It was like a self-loathing, hating myself. I'm a horrible mom. I'm a horrible wife. I'm not happy here. What am I doing with my life? And it just reminded me of when I went through a stage as a teenager after experiencing some trauma of not wanting to live, like not really seeing a reason to live. Yeah. With having two children. Yeah, exactly. And I have these two little babies that are just so joyful. Like everyone around us would tell me how wonderful and kind and and well-behaved they were and just how free-spirited they were. And they were so happy and they they like lit up the house and I was like not wanting to come out of my room. Right. And you were dark inside. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. So that's what triggered me to like really start looking at, at what my options were. And I actually started therapy shortly after that, which was great. I loved my therapist and I realized quickly that therapy wasn't going to be my route of getting help because while it was wonderful to talk to somebody logically about what was happening with the chemicals in my brain and the experiences that I had in my past, an hour each session was barely enough time to catch her up on what was going on in my life at the moment and pull up and dig out past experiences and then it would be time to go home and so I found space for them yeah yeah and so I found myself having panic attacks and just getting a little bit worse for a day or two because I wasn't really getting any tools on how to deal with the anxiety and the depression right yeah I'm not sure if that that answers the question but that's that's really what yeah absolutely so then when you you I love therapy as well, and it is amazingly helpful for so many people. It has been amazingly helpful in my life. It is just Mm -hmm. not the only tool that I've found to be helpful. I'm an acupuncturist by trade, by my my degree. I actually did my degree in California. Um, Wow. Yeah, in San Diego. So there's a whole world that I've been in for about 18 years now around mm-hmm. Eastern medicine that deals with mm-hmm. these things a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's part of you know, the tools that I use and even the tools that I use are not always the things that the person that's sitting in front of me needs, mm-hmm. right? So no matter what it is, and, and so I think this is the trick like you were mentioning in the beginning, you, know, you, you buy all the books and you follow all the programs, you do the coaching and you do some you know work on this and work on that and the most important thing isn't necessarily the modality that you use but the modality that works for you 
Right, exactly. And because your yeah. options are endless these days, it can be hard to figure out what, what's yours. I would, the thing is that it's so overwhelming. And a lot of the times we're, we're trying to feel better so quickly. You know, we just want to get out of the space that we're sitting in. And so part of the work that I do right now that's so vital is the integration. So when we read a book or, or we start practicing a new healing modality, typically we don't give enough time or space to ourselves to really let the healing happen and let the information sink in and start to integrate it into our daily practices. And let it sink we, our bodies, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we find ourselves really, you know, searching for the next thing, the next thing to like give us a little bit of a, of a hit of relief. Do you feel like this is what I felt like and maybe it was similar for you. I felt like I had all the knowledge but none of the wisdom. I think for me, it was a little opposite. I had a lot of wisdom and I didn't give myself permission to use it because I lacked the knowledge. Huh, isn't that interesting? So I had read all the things and my patients kept telling me that I was wise, but I wasn't embodying those things. To me, <laughs> the wisdom is the embodiment of the practice whatever mm -hmm. happens to be like you can do asanas and yoga or you can be a yogi. Those are two very different ideas. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't mm -hmm. making that crossover. I was making the crossover for patients. I wasn't making the crossover for myself. Mm -hmm. See, and I discredited myself because at the time I wasn't giving myself the credit for reading a book that was written by an author that wasn't, uh, didn't have a PhD you know, I wasn't yes. getting a degree in something. And so I wasn't giving myself the space to feel like the knowledge I got was facts and that I actually knew something for sure because I wasn't taught in a classroom and or received a degree. Right. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting. It's so interesting to hear the opposite part as well, because my wisdom, I feel like comes from an embodiment of knowledge. Yes. Like there are some things that I practice that I didn't even know how to title. I would just do things, especially as a kid or growing up. I just, I didn't know meditation was a thing, but I would sit somewhere and focus my thoughts on something and like just sit still and let myself go into a space. And I did that to escape my reality for, for one and for two, because I felt happy and safe in that space. And I had no idea what I was doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the time, do you think that that was meditation or dissociation? Both. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a point where when I was like doing it to get some quiet and explore, definitely meditation. When I did it to put myself out of a situation, disassociation, absolutely. Right. Right. So when I read your initial sentence that you wrote that you were stuck on this self-help hamster wheel that I just think that so many people can, can relate to because you do, you read the book and then you don't give yourself that time that you said you've created for clients now where you, you take the time to actually embody the wisdom in the book instead of just reading it and being like, well, why didn't anything change? Right. And right. that's, I think, you know, you said you, were, you do shadow work. Um, I'll mm -hmm. ask you about that in a second. I want you to actually explain what that means to people. And then I would like to have a conversation about the shadow side of self-help because everything that we do has both sides. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So first we, I'd like you we to- We have both sides. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So first I'd like you to explain to people 
what shadow work is, and then we'll go a little bit deeper into that particular topic. Yeah, I'll explain it the best that I can. If anyone's like truly interested, they look up Carl Jung. He's actually somebody who first initiated like the whole idea of it. Shadow work is the accepting of the dark parts that we suppress about ourselves. The parts of ourselves that we've learned that society doesn't accept, that our families didn't nurture, the sides of us, you know, the parts of us that we ourselves maybe had a bad experience, people didn't respond well to, so we shoved it down and we, you know, suppressed it. It's also, though, parts of our lives that we don't see yet. So there's like some hypnotherapy and soul searching that's done in the practice to pull out what our subconscious holds in the shadow. The beliefs that we carry that we're not yet conscious or aware of because it lies in our subconscious realm. Long story short, a short description would be shadow work is meant to... First of all, discover the parts of yourself that are underneath to know the things that you don't know, that you don't know about yourself, have them arise. So then you can, it's tangible and you can see it. You know, the way that we project onto people come from a place of our shadow. Once we start to take a look at it, bring it up and discover where it comes from and or allow the parts of ourselves to emerge and give ourselves full permission to be angry, jealous, sexual, passionate, you know, all of whatever it is that we've been suppressing, we then become whole by having ultimate true self-love when we love all parts of ourselves, the shadow and the light. A sentence that works for me in shadow work is, if they know this about me, they won't like me. Mm -hmm. And these are yeah. the things that have happened to us that we're afraid to share with people. They are the things that we think about ourselves. They are the, the parts of ourselves that have had bad reactions. You know, things like that. I was just having a conversation with a client online a couple of days ago and I stopped and I said, you know, I feel like underneath everything, the question that you've been asking since the moment I met you was, am I bad or am I good? Mm. Yes. Yes. We label. We label ourselves so quickly yeah. and acceptable and non-acceptable equals good or bad. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And imagine, imagine how we've trained our, ourselves to be not only our minds, but our souls on what's good to express and what's bad to express. Which is totally based on an arbitrary system of rules that we inherited from our families that may or may not make any logical sense. Absolutely. Social media, movies, you know, television, schools the school system religion everything yeah mm -hmm. yeah so you got to this point where you were drowning in reading books and you know needing to do more what happened after that i separated from my husband i had moved in with my sisters for a while and when we actually lived together for a year and when i got my own space and i was alone and i actually had to reflect and take a look at myself i realized that i was starting to have no no desire to continue living so it hit you again yeah yeah i was too tired i was too tired nothing was working i felt like i did all of the things i felt like i read all of the books you know like and then i would watch you know and it, it's funny it's funny to me now but like i would watch this comedy shows or movies that would show people in desperation in the self-help section at bookstores thinking to myself like is that what people perceive me as is that really what i look like right so working with my therapist i told her 
that I had this desire to be a therapist and to help other people to get through and work through trauma. And she took a look at me and she's like, no, I don't think that's for you. And I'm, and I'm looking at her like, what do you mean? And she's like, you have too much experience. You have too much drive. She's like, your experience, you discount it too much. I think you should look into life coaching. And at that time, I, I had no idea what a life coach was. Right. Despite the books and everything that I was reading, I don't know if I was just not paying attention to it because it didn't have any meaning to me yet. Right. But I was like, well, what, what do you have to do to be a life coach? She's like, it's actually a lot shorter and, and easier. You can get certified or not. And then that triggered me. And I was like, no, no, I want to go to school and I'm going to get a degree. She just took a look at me. And that was the first time I saw that I was discounting my knowledge, what I've already known, what I already know, what people, you know, I was already coaching. I was the person that everyone came to for help and guidance. So later on, I was on my Facebook and I saw this suggestion of a retreat for a weekend with a life coach named Brandilyn Tebow, who's amazing. And one of my patients, I worked as a, as a medical assistant at that time, I worked with women who were suffering with breast cancer. At the end of her treatment, she came to me with an envelope and she was like, I just want to thank you so much for being there for me and for helping me through and coaching me through healing. And I was like, I have no, I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. You know, doing my job and loving people because I do. Inside the card was some money and we're talking hundreds of dollars. And I was like, no, 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 no. So I like chased her down and I was trying to give it back to her. And she's like, look, I know that you're going to make a difference. And if I can play a role in that, I want to. That makes you cry. I know. Oh my God. I was like, Thank you. It was the first time I let myself really receive. And at no joke, I went into the office, I sat down and I looked up this retreat and it was exactly the amount of money that she had given me. Of course it was. Of course. (laughs) So I signed up and had my first retreat, had my first experience with a life coach. It changed my life. What happened? Well, first I went in there and I vomited. It was in Big Bear. And on my way there, like I had to pull over to puke because I, a, I really had no idea what I was doing. B, I knew what was on the line. My life was on the line. Yeah. And I had spent this money that I had just received. So it was like an investment. And I remember Brandy, the first night, were like sitting around the dinner table and everyone's kind of like sharing about what they want to get out of the night. And I just remember thinking like, I'm in the wrong circle. What am I doing? Yeah. I, what, what made I, you think that? Uh, some people were talking about, they weren't really talking about like the the level of depression they were feeling. They were more of like saying, you know, I really want to change in my life. I feel like I'm uninspired. I want to create On the something. spectrum, they weren't as far down as you felt. I was measuring because I was still right. measuring. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And one of the, one of the girls actually did go pretty deep and, and talked about how she was kind of suffering with an eating disorder. At that time, I didn't know what that meant. Like I knew that it meant having a problem with food and whatnot. In my mind, that's what it meant. I had no idea the severity at the time. So to me, that still wasn't like something that I was just like, these people are going to think that I'm crazy and they are going to want me to like go to a hospital. Right. So when it came time to me, I just looked at everyone and I looked at her and I remember hearing this voice like, this is your chance. This is your last chance. Make a choice. And I just told him that I'm here because I feel like I'm at my wits end and 
I'd have no other options. And if this doesn't work, I'm afraid that I'm going to end my life. And I have two kids to live for. And everything, everybody kind of got quiet. And Brandy just looked at me and she was like, I'm very happy you're here. You know, she didn't like force me to talk about it. She didn't ask me to explain. She didn't get scared. She didn't, she wasn't like, she just really saw me and really looked at me and was like, I'm happy you're here. Congratulations on making that choice. You're fucking amazing for deciding to do this yeah. for yourself is what I got from her, right. you know? And then we started doing some inner work that night and she asked us to spend some time with ourselves and journal about our inner experience. And I looked at her and apparently I looked at her with such fright because she asked me to come over to the side. And she was like, I just want to ask where your mind went. Where did you go? Because the minute that I said that, you looked like death. Yeah. And I just looked at her and I told her, I don't like to be with myself. I, I can't be in my head. And looking back now, that's why I was reading all the books. That's why I kept looking for something to help me escape because I just wasn't going within. Right. That's why I wasn't integrating any of it. And so she started to ask me about my experiences and I, you know, told her about the trauma I had endured with my mom and my mom trying to end my life at 12 years old, the boyfriend that was molesting me, the boys that were forcing me to get undressed in front of them, the other adult men in our area that were constantly trying to get us into like rooms alone and things like that. And she just heard me and then she asked, could I coach you in front of the group? Are you open to sharing yourself with the group? And I was like, if it's going to help other, if you think it's going to help other people, absolutely. I will do whatever I need to, to help another person. She was just, she looked at me and I knew what she was thinking. Now I, like, I know what she, she, we're friends now. We're good friends now. And I just know that she was just like, you have no idea the kind of help you're going to give yourself right now. You have no clue. Yeah, this is not about other people right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's what you needed to get through it. And I just keep thinking like, thank goodness you went to therapy before this experience because you might not have been in a place where you could have shared those stories but since you had already gone through them a couple of times, they're more available to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was always open to sharing my experience, but I was always sharing it from a disassociated place. I didn't feel the effects of sharing the story. Yes. Some people, like the ones that were close to me and my work, actually, my work family um, that I had at the time, I was very close with and very open with. And they would look at me like the, I was telling them stories that were like from a book. And I just, because I told it in such a way that I wasn't risk. Fried fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? CyFox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to cyfoxhealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S-I-P-H-O-X health.com forward slash fried.
responsive and I, I wasn't expressing it from a place of feeling. I would, it was a I would, story. It was just exactly. I would check out. It was like not a big deal, you know? Right. This is what happened yeah. to me. I got over it. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yes. Yes. Because we're taught so much to like, get over it. Don't dwell on your past. Don't, don't right. do all that. And to a, a degree, I agree. Right. We can get lost in the, there's a spectrum, right? We can, on the, the far end, we're like reliving the trauma. We're constantly reliving the trauma and we don't, we're not in action and we're, we're keeping ourselves in a space of constant therapy. The other side is not dealing with it at all and pretending right. it's not there. Yeah. Right. This is again, like, this is an important point because everything has a middle ground, right? Everything is on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. There is a shadow side to self-help. There is a shadow side to therapy. There is a shadow side to medication. There is a shadow side to all of these things that are generally very positive in our lives and very useful and have amazing positive effects on our lives. They all can be overused, overdone. And so, or underused, underdone, or, you know, no matter what you do, there's, there's always that, that flip side. Yeah. And I think that's what I love so much about your, your podcast and your, what you're doing, because there's burnout on all areas. Yeah. If you're not letting it come out and you're not doing any work on it, you're going to burn out by having to constantly suppress it and not deal with it. Right. And on the other end, you'll burn out because you're in it. You're like seriously in your story and you're trying to live from a space of, having to hold enough energy to live when you're using it all to be in the replay. Yeah. What a great sentence yeah. that was. Yeah. You get stuck in the replay and you live it over and over. I know a few people like that. They just, they're in that space and they can't get out of it. And they're not people that are, that are clients of mine, but people in my personal life. And when you are a friend in that situation, when you're not the therapist, in any way, shape, or form, not the life coach, not the therapist, not the acupuncturist. You sort of have to let people be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it can be so hard when you've gone through that part yourself and you think, oh, if you would just. Mm -hmm. Well, do you find also like, even as the acupuncturist and myself as a life coach, I had to really detach myself like. Yes, absolutely. To the way people respond and the and how they're feeling while they're going through their work. Absolutely, it took me it took me a while when I when I started acupuncture. I was twenty four, twenty five years old after I I got a master's degree in acupuncture, and then I started working right away. And I was young, and mm -hmm. I was too self conscious about my age. Starting, mm -hmm. like you said, you didn't feel like you have the knowledge. Like you had the knowledge, you didn't give yourself that benefit of the doubt and the benefit of your life experience. Mm -hmm. I had the master's degree and I still mm -hmm. was like, but I'm not old enough to know anything about life, which is total <laughs> bullshit, you know, but, <laughs> but sometimes, I, I sometimes felt that way. Go, yeah. Sometimes I think kids who are still so like, they're actually a lot more wise and, and knowledgeable than we are. They yeah. still know things that are, that come from like source and like this place before all of the logic we decide that needs to be taught here is crammed into them yeah, that absolutely. like their imagination is still so bright right absolutely all right i feel like this is um this is already a super power powerful conversation just for me but i mm -hmm. want to go into specifically talking about trauma work because and I'm going to say this to, to the audience, not necessarily to, to you, Ashley, but 
when there is a trauma, there is an actual change that happens in the brain. So you know those little squiggly lines that you see on a brain when you're looking at a picture of it on a, in a book or on the internet? Those are actually, that your brain doesn't start like that. They're created by experiences, beliefs, knowledge. You know, when you learn to memorize your phone number, you create one of those little grooves. And the more you use it and the more you say it, the deeper the groove gets. So it comes to the point where 10 years can pass and you can just say the phone number that you've always known because you've used it so many times. It's just, it's literally etched into your brain. There is, there is a line, a groove that exists because of this, right? I'm not going to use the technical sciencey terms because they're not important at the moment, but that does happen. It also happens when you have a trauma. And then everything in your life that happens from that point forward, that in any way, shape, or form reminds your brain of that trauma, it gets deeper. So if you were beat up in elementary school by a bully who wore a red backpack, you could be traveling through Europe as a college student and see a red backpack and then have a really shitty day and have no idea why, because your trauma was triggered. There is a way to break down these neural pathways neuroplasticity is an amazing science and you there's definitely it can definitely be broken down and it can definitely change however people that have more traumatic traumatic episodes and deeper brain grooves to deal with will have to jump more hurdles to get to a place where self-help is actually helpful and i i say all of that to get to the point that i read a quote ashley on your instagram that explains this in a very clear and succinct way that I'm gonna to read to everybody right now. And you wrote, carrying trauma is like driving a car with a flat tire. The ride is less enjoyable and it takes a lot longer to reach your destination. I've never read anything more true. So this, is, this ties into privilege, which is not only based on on class, which a lot of people are thinking, you know, I was white and I was broke, so I didn't have that privilege, but, but you did, and on some level. This, this comes into privilege, it comes into like oppression, it comes into systemic problems that we have in society that are in people's bodies that mean that they have more work to do to get to ground zero. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I wanna talk to you sort of about that quote and also what you do with people to help them break down those neural pathways. What, is, what are some of the, the tools that you use? What are some of the methods that you use to help people change those systems? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things is we build a relationship, right? We start to feel each other's energy and make sure that the, per that the person feels safe, completely safe and knows that everything is completely confidential. This is key because we won't show up transparent and really do let ourselves be seen if we don't feel safe. Absolutely. And then some of the techniques that I do is one through first off getting to see where they stand in their current situation, their life, what types of feelings come up and where they feel it in their bodies. And once we find like something significant, then I will ask them to go back to as far as back as they can remember when they started to feel that in their body, because then they can connect to an experience that actually made it a mark in their life. 
right? Because for some people, their nervous system and the way that they, their subconscious responds to trauma or an event can be different from another person. Right. So yeah, of course the same trauma can lead to totally different responses in different people. Yeah, absolutely. Like you have a child that falls and there's no one to help them up depending on their personality and their background so far, one can get up, no big deal and keep going. The other one is waiting to be saved, waiting for someone to right. acknowledge that they fell. So right. they will experience something in their body that's different. The one that got up and moved probably would, wouldn't feel anything much in their body. And, and so they won't even remember that that moment. Right. Right. Whereas the other person would feel like a tightness in their stomach or in their chest area and feel alone and right. whatnot. So they'll be able to right away go back to a moment that made a significant imprint. I was just going to say, this is, this is the imprinting work that, that we learn in life coaching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and, yeah, they, can lock, they can lock into it really quickly because their body recognizes it. Right. So we'll go back to that, that section. We'll do a couple of things. We'll do some journal prompting. Yeah. We'll do a self-exploration, like verbally. And then if I feel like it's, and I'll really use my intuition here and I'll ask them also, if it's something really significant, we'll do some hypnotherapy tracks to it. And, or I use a shamanic drum yeah. and do shamanic drumming to take them on an experience where they can go back and relive that experience in a different way, whether it's reparenting, inner child work, or soul retrieval. Like what does my younger self want to say to me right now? Yeah. So there, there are a couple of, of different things. And then of course, they'll get an assignment to really allow themselves to integrate the work, journal about what, what they discovered, and then do a lot of self-care. Right, around that, to, right, yeah. I wanna share a story that I have permission to share um, from the client. So I do have permission to tell this story and it is something that really explains the, the, the imprinting process that Ashley was talking about is a life coaching technique that I have found to be extremely powerful and I have seen it be really powerful in clients. When I was still in Poland, we were doing, my best friend and I were running a life coaching business for people going through fertility treatment. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's wow. A, amazing. There's a lot of trauma there. Amazing. That's amazing. Yes. There's a lot of trauma there. So we were, we actually met a couple and they came in and, and, you know, I was an acupuncturist working at a fertility clinic at the time. So I knew all the science behind the treatments and what could go wrong. And, you know, I was kind of very well versed in it. So I was expecting them to be able to give me a problem. Not only would we be able to coach them, but we would also, I would also be able to give them some tips on kind of food they should eat, maybe a, a simple Chinese herbal formula, you know, some basic things. So I was really excited. And she came in, they came in together, the couple, and they had been married for two years and they hadn't managed to have sex yet mm. because she would close down so strongly that he literally couldn't get in. There is a term for this. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it is, mm-hmm. but this is an actual thing that happens to people. She shut down completely so much so that he couldn't start. He couldn't enter. Wow. Right. So we did, um, we actually worked with them for three or four weeks before we did the imprint, because just like you said, so important is creating this room of trust. Mm-hmm. 
where people really feel safe to go through this work. And when we did the imprint, we asked her to go back through her life and feel in her body and go back and go back and go back. We're sort of, you know, we got to six and then five and then four and nothing's really coming up. We hit around three and a half years old. And it turned out that she had been hospitalized at that point for some reason. And they had given her a catheter. Mm. And they didn't tell her that she could urinate. Mm. So she held it because she couldn't get out of bed and she didn't know that she was allowed to pee. She didn't know that there was a tube in there that was allowing her to pee where she was. And at the time in Poland, it was still under communist rule and parents were not allowed to stay in the hospital with their children. So she was alone Mm. and unable to go to the bathroom with this tube that got shoved inside of her by some person who probably did not even speak to her. Yeah. Wow. And she didn't even remember it necessarily before that point. And she stopped and she just, she wasn't even upset about it. She just went, oh, wow. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. So we started doing work around that and we started doing work around femininity and all these kind of things that will allow her to open. And now they have two children. (laughs) They never needed fertility treatments. That wasn't the problem. No. Wow. I have chills. Me too. And I just want, I wanted to share that story because I want people to understand how powerful this work can, can actually be and how early some of these things can be. And you might not think it was, I mean, I obviously told the story with the tilt of, oh my God, this was really difficult because that's how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. But you know, the story was she went to the hospital, she was given a catheter. You could also tell the story like that, and it doesn't really sound like, mm-hmm. you know, just like you said, it doesn't really sound mm-hmm. like a big deal. Like this person had trauma, that person didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's why we can't measure trauma. Like we really, right. re- this is something, this is something that came to me years ago. And I didn't even realize that Buddhism actually, it's something that they've taught for years. And I have no idea where, where I got it from, but. I truly, truly believe that there is no measurement of trauma. Yeah. Someone's worst experience is their worst experience. And that is just as much as another person's worst experience. And so each person deserves the right to grieve and to heal from it. Yes. And a lot of times we don't give ourselves that permission because we're surrounded with the somebody else has it worse. We yes. turn on the news and we get pushed into like forced gratefulness because we see other, how other people are suffering around the world. And so we think to ourselves, my life is really good. I'm so grateful. And to a point that's great. And if you're in that constant state, you don't allow yourself to be sad or to go through the experiences that you have in your daily life, which then causes depression and eventually will cause the burnout. Right. Exactly. The other people have it worse than me. So I must be grateful is that's a part that is, that is missing. You have to let yourself feel the feels, man. Yeah. Yeah. You're having your own human experience. It's your right as a human being to let yourself feel all of it. And it can be scary too, because sometimes we don't realize how much we are our own heroes and how strong. And when I say strong, I mean like how we can really let ourselves experience something and not die (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. resilient we are absolutely absolutely 
yeah, I call it, resilience in my world is called bounce back ability. I love that. I love that. I play with words too. Sometimes I don't even make sense and I'm just kind of accepted it. Like. <laughs> You're making a lot of sense to me today, actually. Okay, good, good. <laughs> um, and I wanted to also ask you about, I think you just finished something called the Ignite Retreat. Actually, no, it's coming up in August. Oh, cool. So tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sorry. I always drop into a space of just like awe because it's something that I feel is going to be so powerful. So it's an Ignite Your Light program, and it starts with in-person immersive retreat. And what this is, is a lot of the times when we're on this hamster wheel or we're dealing with some major experiences in our life and trying to do the work, we, we forget, like we don't, our body doesn't recognize the light that we had, the fire in us that we had before all of the, sh you know, the stuff hit, all of the, the crap. And so, shit here, Ashley. Okay, awesome. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when all of this shit happened. Thank you. <laughs> and um, we, we forget who we are and like what we love and, and all of like the stuff that's our, that's our passion. And so I really wanted to create a space that, that one is very safe, very sacred and has the sisterhood, the connection because I believe, I strongly believe that there is a lot of healing when we come together and tribal learning is something that's played a major role in my, in my growth. So that's the first aspect of it. The second aspect of it is we all have our own medicine. We know what we need. The book and getting the outer knowledge is amazing and we can be taught things that we didn't even know were available to us. And if we don't know ourselves and we don't know and we don't take the time to get to know what feels good and feels right to us, then there's no way to know if we can use the knowledge we're gaining from the books and the other, the retreats and all of the centers. Yeah. It's a whole weekend really just focused on you and what feels good. And, you know, we learn to like set our own space, our own meditation space, our own, whatever it looks like for us. We do what I love to call personalized routine mapping. So mm -hmm. you've heard of like life, life mapping, right? Yeah. So like you like map out your life. It's, this is your, your routine and you make it as personal as you want. And we take a couple of days to practice and play out what feels good for us. So we kind of have something to go off of. Um, and the reason for this is for the next 12 weeks, you work in a, in a small private container with me and the women okay. and for integration purposes. And in that weekend, we do a lot of shadow work. We do a lot of the inner child work, mirror work, and a lot of different other healing modalities, you know, ways to get back into your body, ways to get back to, you know, we have a lot of women who are dealing with sexual trauma and are what they would consider self-inflicted trauma of being hypersexual, feeling like you have to be the cool girl and, and do and engage in sexual act at a young age, not really understanding that, what it's doing to your body and doing to you and not feeling like you have any right to feel like you can need healing in that area because you kind of consented to it, you acted in it. So we do a lot of that in the retreat. And then for the next 11 weeks, we have one-on-one -on -one weekly calls with me and then a Zoom group call with all the women, private Facebook group so that you get support 24 seven and 24 seven access, email access for me. Cause it's a lot of 
we're doing a lot of intense work here. Yeah. What are the, what's the dates of the weekend? Do you have them in front it's, of you? No? Yeah, it's August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, and it's in Idlewild, California. Okay. Beautiful little town. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful place. And so I will put the information to that in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't, I don't have a landing page, but you can reach me on my Instagram. I've been doing everything organic. Yeah, I will definitely just share your Instagram and leave it at that. And that's how people can find you. And I'll, I will just write a little ditty about it in the show notes so that people um, have a clue about what's going on with that. And that is, that is a pretty magical thing that you're creating. Ashley, Thank you so much for your willingness to, first of all, get up at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Second of all, you guys don't know this because Ashley and I talked before the call, but I did have some internet issues this morning <laughs> and Ashley was very patient and kind. So I appreciate oh. that as well. And I'm so glad that you allowed yourself to inhabit the space of a healer. Mm, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you for much, so much for what you're doing. It's so important. The burnout is, it can make, make or break your journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me. This has been fun. You're amazing. Your energy is just, you're on fire. You're on fire. I am on fire. I'm not burning out, but I am on fire. <laughs> no burnout. No burnout. No here. burnout. Ashley, this has been so great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody, this was my conversation with Ashley Rose, your transformational life coach. And I am really excited to share with you the project that she has coming up in August because I think that it is extremely useful. And if you happen to be close to her or able to fly in for that time, I think it would be something really worth thinking about, especially if you felt yourself reacting to and or resonating with any of the things that we talked about on this particular show. Thanks so much for being here. Let me know what you think. Please do subscribe, rate us, let us know how we're doing. Give me suggestions. I'm up for all of it. Thanks so much and talk to you next time. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried, the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan.